from Relay FM. This is Connected, episode number 31. Today's show is brought to you by Igloo, an internet you'll actually like. Lynda.com, where you can instantly stream thousands of courses created by industry experts. And PDF Pen 7 from Smile, allowing you to take control of PDFs on your Mac. My name is Mike Curley, and I'm joined, as always, by the co-founder of Relay FM and editor-in-chief of 512pixels.net, Mr. Stephen Haggett. That sounded so official. I know, I, I like to do that now. I've decided I want to be official. And I'm also joined by the illustrious uh, emperor of MacStories.net, <laughs> Mr. Federico Vitici. That's quite the introduction, Mike. Thank Anytime. Hi, Hi co-founders and editors-in-chief. Hi. And, and I am but a mere peon uh, in this organization, but I'm also happy to be here. You should be an editor, an editor-in-chief of, uh, of something, Mike. Of my bedroom. Okay. <laughs> That makes sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's good for you. <laughs> yes, yes, it is indeed. This just sounds weird, way weirder we than it just... to be. Let's just go straight into follow-up. <laughs> That's good, because we have a lot of follow-up this week. Yay! Um, up first, we have some uh, artwork who oh, came God. came to us over the Twitter uh, social stream uh, by Nicholas Ward, and it is uh, me saying that Mike was right. It's horrifying, and... though. Okay, so I'm just going to say it. Can you explain this to me, guys? Because I don't get it. What What is it? I, I, I'm guessing it's a Star Wars related. It is. I am in the Darth Vader suit, and Mike is uh, Luke, and he's holding me as I die. Mm-hmm. And um, that's okay, a Star Wars so reference. Okay, Darth, so Darth Vader is the, is the bad guy, and yes. you're the bad guy. And who's Mike? Luke My Skywalker. And, like, it's uh, his son, right? Yeah. Yes. Spoiler mm. alert, 30 years later. But yes. For, for the one person that is remaining listening, thank you. Is is this like is this supposed to be funny? Because I I mean there's your faces that that's funny. <laughs> but, but like I I don't get it. Is this like a scene from the movie? It I is. mean it has to be a, a scene from the movie. Yes. There it is uh the redemption of of Darth Vader on his deathbed. Oh, and so they, they connect theory, for a brief moment. Does he say "I love you" before dying? What does he no. say? Mm. Dudes I don't, don't say that to each other. That's too bad. In theory, I should be Darth Vader. Yeah, you're definitely taller than I am. So, well, no, because like, I am redeemed. Oh yeah, try again, Nicholas. Got it. <laughs> got it backwards. Uh, moving on. Uh, we talked last week about. HBO Now, which is how Apple led off their keynote slash uh, commercial for Game of Thrones event last week. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to point out that uh, on Rocket uh, last week, episode nine, uh, they had a really great conversation uh, about HBO Now. Christina Warren is very knowledgeable about everything, everything. it turns out, but especially mm-hmm. about HBO. And uh, it's really a really great conversation into their business model and some theories about why this is happening now. Yeah, because it Uh, turns out Christina was in a documentary about HBO. (laughs) Which is the most meta thing in the world, I think, but super awesome. Nice piece of Um, follow-out there, Stephen. It's a Mm -hmm. follow-out. We have some more follow-out later, which is a term that some guy made up. We had a a question. um, A tweet came in uh, from listener Matt asking if we thought Apple was getting 30% of the HBO Now fees. And... I would normally say yes, because Apple's drawn a real strong line in the sand with like 
very famously the Amazon ebook deal um, and some other things where like they're taking 30% out of everything. But who knows what Apple had to do to get this? I mean, we talked last week about how it was super weird that Tim Cook was like, this is the TV you should watch. So it would not surprise me if Apple is not taking 30%. Or maybe to take 30%, that's, this is what they had to do. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Like, there's any number of situations could have gone down. So, um, I mean, even a rocket they're talking about, you know, it's very likely that, that um, Apple paid HBO for this deal. And so maybe they paid them a lump sum and they're making their, you know, trying to make their money back on Apple TV hardware sales or just trying to elevate that brand. Um, it's very unusual for Apple to to do what it did on stage. So I think because of that, like, there's no telling what happened behind the scenes. I thought it was just an interesting question. Yeah, it is. It is. We have some very important safety-related follow-up, Federico. So this is for you. So, um, okay. A f- friend of the show and of all humanity, Seth Clifford, wrote in and was talking about the clapper. And he, he sort of tweet-stormed us. So there's like, uh, I think there's like four tweets in here. Um, and he talks about how the clapper has a sensitivity dial and so it, you could get in a situation where if you buy a clapper to turn your router on and off, like we spoke about a couple of weeks ago, that if you set that dial too high, like walking across the floor might be enough to turn your router on and off in quick succession, <laughs> which is not super great for the router. Um, so I just, I just wanted you to be careful. You know, I don't want you to burn yeah. your, your house down with your uh, router catching fire. It sounds <laughs> so like, a, like a really bad idea. Um, or a great idea. To burn my house? No, Not that really. would be bad. But <laughs> you know? I think some sort of like, it could be like a, a fitness thing. You know, we talked about like okay. encouraging fitness. You could do jumping jacks to get the internet to work. I mean, but can you imagine me clapping or jumping while my girlfriend is sleeping to turn the router off? I mean, uh, that, she, she, that would, would be, she would be upset because like, I, I don't know. I kind of like the idea of the clapper in general. Like, you know, so fancy, you clap your hands and you do stuff. I don't know. I, I kind of wish I could do, you know, clapping gestures for, for iOS and OS X. Like I could do <laughs> Skype and it does stuff, you know? That would be know. great. That would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> or, I mean, really, I mean, why stop there? You could you could hook the clapper up to almost anything in your house. I mean, you could you could have it... Where you had a kettle to boil water, you know, an electric kettle, and then you clap, and you're like, "Coffee time!" and the water gets hot. Is I mean, there, is, there, is there like a clapper IFTTT channel that I can plug into? <laughs> Maybe you clap you just, like you could use the M7 and just clap two iPhones together. That's also <laughs> that, not a that, good idea. Man. It's okay. expensive <laughs> <laughs> and also potentially dangerous for the iPhone. No, you can't use those two phones. They're my clapping phones. You know, mm-hmm. your day yeah. clapper and your night clapper. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not, uh, not uh, a fancy business person with two phones. Well, mm. I mean, actually, I have two phones right now, <laughs> 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 but I'm giving this one away in just a few days. You're not giving uh, it away; you're giving it back. I'm giving it back. I'm giving it back. Please you know, don't I'm give gi- it away. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm giving it back to the, to the, to the owners uh, of uh, the phone. So oh, yeah, so, but, good. so for the past few weeks, I've had two phones. It's just been temporary, not not uh, not a business lifestyle decision. 
So I would like to provide a correction uh, in in the direction of Stephen Hackett. Um, and this came to us from listener of the show, Ian. And Ian wanted to point out that there is actually a buy-to-order, build-to-order option on the MacBook in that you can, you can turbocharge the CPU if you would like to. What do you have to say about this? <laughs> it bumps it to, what, 1.3 gigahertz from 1.1 or 1.2? I mean, not... Yes. <laughs> Uh, it's not radically better. <laughs> can you repeat this slowly for me? Okay, guys? so you can buy uh, a standard with the new MacBook. You can buy either a 1.2 gigahertz or 1.1 gigahertz Intel Core M processor. Uh, however, you can uh, select to have that turbocharged. Um, well, you can turbocharge it another way. I'm being silly. I should actually say correctly you can have it like increase you can get a, a more powerful cpu mm-hmm. at 1.3 gigahertz instead of 1.1 or 1.2 if you would so desire how much dollars is that they don't say oh a thousand nice. that's probably inaccurate well, doesn't sound like a big deal is uh 0.1 gigahertz a big difference guys i don't know <laughs> no uh, no it might be more of a difference if you're starting at 1.1 in the first place uh but probably not that much of a difference So, so, there, so there so we go. That. There we go. Um, Thank you, Ian, when, for the correction. Yes, um, I had that wrong. I was when I was looking at this, I noticed on the the site. You know, we, we spoke about last week when you go to order a MacBook, it's like an iPad where you pick your color and your size um, or speed in this case. And there's a little like helper text about what SSD I should buy. And this this page, this text might be on other pages on Apple's site. I didn't search for it. Um, but I thought it was really interesting the way that they distinguished if you should buy the 256 or the 512 gig SSD. This is what Apple says. If you prefer to store most of your files like music, photos, and movies on iCloud, then the smaller storage size may be a good choice for you. For people who like to store most of those files on their Mac, the larger capacity is probably the right fit. Be sure to consider how your storage needs may change over time. That's really good advice, but I couldn't help but chuckle at the just iCloud being like the only other, the only alternative, right? If I have a small <laughs> disk, the only other place I can put things is iCloud. Um, it just kind of made me chuckle. Like I don't, I'm in the process of playing with iCloud photos and, and that sort of thing. But yeah, so I just, I don't know if the, if there's a consumer that exists that is savvy enough to put all of their documents and movies and music in iCloud, but also wants to save the couple hundred bucks and get the smaller SSD. Like, is any of that sort of appealing to you guys? Like store everything on iCloud and just pull it down when you need it? Not right now. I mean, mm. I assume eventually, yes, but but not right now. Yeah, I mean, I'm so dependent on Dropbox for like a lot of work documents, you know? Yeah. I mean, I do use Unpay for like, uh, I switch to the, to the higher uh, iCloud pricing plan. I'm, I'm paying like uh, four euros now. Um, I do like it for, you know, basic syncing and photos, of course. Um, but, you know, all of my files and folders in Dropbox, I don't know. I feel kind of uncomfortable throwing all my my eggs in iCloud. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I have this weird, like, mental block, which is the exact yeah. opposite. In that, like, I think to myself, oh, I want to have it on Dropbox because it will be available everywhere. When, in theory, that's exactly what iCloud should be doing. Yeah, like, I think a, I think a big p- 
part of uh, my personal fear is two factors. One, there's no website. Like Dropbox gives, gives me the idea of being more open because if anything goes wrong with my machines, I can go to the web, to the website, and I have the files from any web browser. Yep, and you can only get a small selection of them on, on the iCloud website as well, can't you? Exactly. And two, Dropbox is super upfront in like, you can have file versions, you can recover deleted files. Like I know that if I'm stupid and I do something that I'm not supposed to do, I can revert my changes. Yep. In iCloud, it's like a black box. And yeah, and that's that by design, me. but that just doesn't yeah. work for me and you and Stephen. Yeah. Like I want the more control. I actually quite like the idea that it's on all the machines that's connected to Dropbox. All those files are there as well as being in the cloud. Like, it's all there, you know? And like then I think to myself, right, everything that's in my Dropbox in a weird way is also backed up to my time machine as well. Like, there's, Yeah, because you know, it's... I mean, and that's true for iCloud documents as well if they're local, but say that you upload everything to Photos and then you, you check that box and say, optimize the storage on my Mac. And so you don't have, you know, you only have a subset of files or, or, you know, just thumbnails locally. And so it's, it's, it gets a little more gray about what is actually on my computer. You know, iTunes match has the same problem to a degree. It's uh it's definitely interesting. I think, you know, we're in this transition where things like iCloud and maybe even Dropbox will become more uh, universally used. I mean, I think, I think Dropbox has a really good usage rate and people like us, but like if you go outside of of people who listen to tech podcasts, I, I don't know what Dropbox's um, you know utilization is like. And so I think we'll get there, and I yeah. think that that language of like uh, you know get the smaller SSD if you want iCloud. What, what's really the most ironic to me about that is that SSD prices are falling, and you can get bigger SSDs now than ever. While companies are also saying use cloud storage instead, so it's kind of this weird mishmash of, of messaging. Um, because I mean, I could go, you know, the 512 SSD is not that much money, and that's enough storage for most people, at least on a consumer laptop. And so it's like we're ramping up all these cloud services, you can put everything in the cloud, you can do everything magically over wireless, but in two years, you're going to have a big disk again anyway. So it's sort of a odd thing to me. Okie dokie. Uh, what else do we have? What else do we have? We have... Um, I had a little more follow-out about the USB-C connector. So you and Jason were speaking on Upgrade yesterday about, uh, you know, we're going to go back to this world of you got to have all these weird video adapters to hook up to things and, and that, that sort of feeling. And, and Jason expressed that, you know, maybe we... The world had solidified around the made display port to a degree, and um, I spend a lot of time in conference rooms that aren't my own, like just in meetings with companies around town. And um, I can tell you that VGA is, is still what rules the world. You, if you're lucky, you get DVI or you get HDMI, but as a Mac owner, you are still nine times out of ten adapting out to something else, anyways, even on a Thunderbolt or made display port machine. So I, I don't think that. The idea, at least in like the video world, that the MacBook is a bigger pain than previous machines holds up. Obviously, it's a pain in the butt to have an adapter so you can plug in a USB key. <laughs> like that's sort of ridiculous uh, until some USB-C drives come out. But the, the thought around the video adapting in particular is kind of what jumped out at me. That 
I've been a Mac user for a portable Mac user for a long time and I've always had to carry adapters and that's just the way it is. And it's sad and I mean I have like eight adapters in my bag. It's ridiculous. Have you ever thought about the fact that all these uh standards and all these ports, they their names sound like television networks? Yeah, because they're all, hey, they're have all you, abbreviations. Have you, they? have you watched the new show on VGA? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Oh, no, no. I'm going to catch it when it goes to HDMI. <laughs> mm. <laughs> oh, sorry, I don't have serious thoughts on, on <laughs> VGA and DVI. But I agree with Steven in general. Uh, he seems very knowledgeable about this. About adapter ports. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I do a lot of adapting. I'm adaptable. <laughs> you are very adaptable. That is true. Hmm. We should talk about our first sponsor. We should indeed. This week's episode is brought to you by lynda.com, the online learning platform with over 3,000 on-demand video courses to help you strengthen your business, technology, and creative skills. For a free 10-day trial, visit lynda.com slash connected. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash connected. Lynda.com is for problem solvers. It's for the curious people who want to make things happen. Maybe you're looking to learn negotiation tactics, build a website, master Excel finally, and understand what pivot tables are, or boost your Photoshop skills. Go to lynda.com right now and you can feed your curious mind. You will be able to watch thousands and thousands of expertly produced video tutorials from just people who are totally passionate about teaching. You can stream these courses on demand to any device you want, to your laptop, to your iPhone, to your iPad, to your Android device. They have apps for the devices that need them, or you can watch them in the web browser on the ones that you don't. Uh, they Their courses are structured in, very, in like bite-sized chunks, so you can go in and view pieces here and there, and just kind of whenever you've got spare moment, go in and learn a bit more about that thing you've been always wanting to find out more about. Um, you can also watch them in any order that you want. You can create playlists of different topics and different sort of sections of each topic, which you're also able to share with people as well. You can share them with coworkers, colleagues, friends, people that you maybe would share. Uh, such learning things with maybe you want to learn a little bit about let me give you some examples some things that i've seen recently uh how to build responsive web pages you want to make a nice single page responsive design they have all of that in there maybe you want to learn a bit about xcode or swift or just ios app development in general um, they have a great photoshop uh 25 years of photoshop site at the moment because they're, they're celebrating that lynda.com is celebrating that with adobe and they, that's over at lynda.com slash uh 25ps 25 years of photoshop and they've got all of that stuff there it's just incredible stuff you can find over at lynda.com uh, your lynda.com membership is going to give you unlimited access to training on hundreds of topics all for one flat rate whether you're looking to become an industry expert you're passionate about a hobby or you just want to learn something new i want you to go and visit lynda.com slash connected right now and sign up for your free 10-day trial. Thank you so much to lynda.com for supporting this show and all of Relay FM. We have a topic zero this week. Mm-hmm. Sent in by Danny on Twitter. Daniel, excuse me, Daniel. Um, Daniel asked what watch apps we are looking forward to. Um, and then he challenges to follow up in six months, which uh, we, hmm. I guess, I guess we can do that. Uh, it's actually, yeah. it's actually a really interesting question. Um, so what, what about, what about you, Mike? Why don't you lead us off? So when we were first posed this question, or when I first saw it in the document, I was like, 
I don't know. <laughs> so I went and took a look at the the, the web page Apple have created, the App Store apps page for the Apple Watch. Um, and I was looking through it and I was like, these all seem uh, kind of interesting, I guess. Uh, but this this type of stuff, and, and, and we spoke about it before, Like I feel like a lot of these kinds of things, you have to really truly understand the use case of the watch. So like in general, I was thinking some stuff that might be cool, and they have an example of this, and this isn't an app that I use, but I imagine how I could use something like this for the stuff that I do. So Procreate have got a little... Um, like a little companion watch app, which brings up little tool buttons. So you can like change your tool palettes. Like, so maybe you want to use like a eraser tool or like a pencil tool and you can tap it on your watch and then use it. Now I'm thinking how cool it would be when I'm editing a podcast to just tap my watch to pause it or something like that, which I do quite a lot. To, because I need to go in and do something. And there are little things like that where I'm like, that could be quite interesting to use. And I like to. I hope that Apple will make something like that for for Logic Pro because they made an iPad app. They made a companion iPad app which does that stuff. Um, and then I started thinking about what apps have I seen that I'm interested in. I like the idea of having um, OmniFocus. I've seen that OmniFocus are, are going to be having like a kind of a quick kind of dashboard view of of what's going on in your world, which I think looks really interesting. And I think about maybe um, I haven't seen it. I don't know if they're working on one, something like Fantastical in the same kind of way. Because I was thinking, you know, if I look at my to, like, my notification center, there are things that I really like there. <laughs> I did think, what about a world clock app? If there is not a world clock app, if there are not a thousand world clock apps uh, for the Apple Watch, then someone has horrifically failed. Um, because that's, you know, the obvious one. Um, and then I guess from there, it's kind of like, I'm I'm kind of, kind of going to wait and see because all the things that they showed on the stage I thought were really cool like Shazam I thought was was quite a clever use yeah um stuff like I don't know the the hotel room stuff looked really cool um so I'm I'm really excited to see but I'm I, you know for me it's kind of like what what kind of products what kind of apps can there be that take advantage of just interesting tidbits of information that's that's what I'm really excited about. The Shazam demo from from the event from from last week, uh, it was really cool. Yeah, um, I think that might have been the most impressive yeah. third party app because the way it showed the lyrics. Yeah, they showed, I mean, oh. the people were going crazy in the audience. It was like, it was like, oh man, this is awesome, you know? Because I'm just thinking like all the times that I that I'm trying to recognize a song, and because I have to pick up my iPhone and unlock the iPhone, find Shazam, and then, you know, do the actual recognition. So many times I lost a song, like when I was in a store or during a TV show. And, you know, to, to have that on my wrist, I mean, there, there's probably the same concern of having to find, you know, the Shazam icon on the home screen of the watch, but I think it'll be faster. I don't know. I just think it'll be faster, probably because it's always there on your wrist. So I'm, I've been thinking about the same kind of thing, like, will it be quicker or not? And I don't, yeah, I don't I know so. yet. I don't know yet. But in general, I think I'm excited about, you know, the, this kind of new lifestyle apps. Um, from the from the Apple webpage, um, there's a LifeSum, which is the the app that I use to track my calories, my the food that I eat, and uh, just in general to have a, a daily break, breakdown of my calorie intake. Uh, they're going to have an Apple Watch app that that shows you a very simple interface with. Um, colored uh, graphs for how many calories are left in your in your day uh, 
water, how, mu how much water you've drank so far, and uh, I think uh, exercise time. So that's kind of that's kind of cool, you know, because it uses you know the the glanceability of the watch to show you information that's not too complex and that makes sense to have on your wrist. And also, I'm excited. I think about the media consumption aspect. Uh, podcast clients, I know that Marco is making an overcast version um, for the watch. And of course, music, both from Apple and also music streaming from Spotify. I'm just assuming that they're going to have a watch app because I, I don't know if I'll have to buy uh, Bluetooth earbuds, or if I'm just gonna keep my phone in my pocket and have the earbuds going into with the cable into my pocket, because I'm just so excited about the idea of controlling music from my from my watch, just you know to pause and play to skip directly from my wrist, and of course um so what what I was compiling my my list of uh, watch apps that I'm looking forward to, Google Maps, uh, because I'm. I'm still learning my way around Rome. There's many areas of Rome that I don't know really well. And I use Google Maps because I think it's more accurate for my for, for Italy, for Rome in general, maybe. Um, so I, I want to see what Google does, you know, with Google Maps, with notifications on your wrist. Uh, kind of excited about this. And last, um, my to-do list with Todoist. I know they're making an Apple Watch version and I know that I said I don't want to have, you know, uh, iPhone apps on my watch. I want to I wanna have new stuff on my watch. I want to have, I want to try apps that really kind of rethink their sort of purpose on the watch. But I mean, the idea of being able to check off my my, my tasks directly from the watch is kind of cool, you know? Yeah, and to I like the sound to, of that too. To dictate... Uh, items uh, directly into my kind of James Bond style into the watch. It's kind of awesome. <laughs> so I, I want to try that. I'm yeah. not interested in any games, though. There's a few games yeah. on this page, and yeah. I don't know why there's games, but fine. I um, I definitely agree with what you guys said. Things like being reminded, you know, discreetly of a task that's due uh, is going to be is going to be big, I think. I, I'm excited, even though it's not a third party, I'm um, I'm excited about the built-in stuff with messaging. So, you know, um, if someone sends me something, I can just reply very quickly. Um, I think that's going to be be uh, a nice, especially, you know, if you've got your hands full or something or, you know, with the family, I can just quickly do something and, and get back to it. I think that's sort of where I'm excited. Not so much about, like, the type of app at this point, but what those apps could do as far as speeding things up. I do think that I will start out with a relatively small number of apps and my plan is to add kind of as things come up and not so much about let me find a counterpart for everything that's on my iPhone. Like uh, I want to ease into ease into it. Um, something like Dark Sky might be really, uh, really nice, but is that you know, necessary, you know, on the wrist? I, I don't know. I think time will sort of tell with me as far, as, far yeah. as how far down that road I go. Yeah, I'm... I'm Listening to that, I know that I'm not going to do this, but I would really like to just kind of just learn what it can do first. Um, yeah. Before before adding things, but I know I'm just going to like run to the app store. Well, you're going to learn what it does by downloading apps. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like no, gotta, no, but like it, learn learn what Apple's made rather than trying yeah, to replace yeah. it. Like you know, <laughs> looking for a calendar app, looking for messaging apps, looking mm -hmm. for you know the, a fitness app, looking for you know all those things like trying. 
going for trying to find Google Maps straight away rather than using Apple Maps and uh, you know because you know I think like maybe Apple Maps will only have like the left right tapping thing that apparently maybe possible yeah you know so I want to try all that stuff yeah for sure yeah yeah I mean I get the argument I want to see Apple's first party apps first because and that was all we had with the iPhone. True. Yeah, I I'm so excited about the messaging, like Steven said, and the fitness application. Because I wanna like I'm big for you know all, all this health app app on on the iPhone. You and I wanna yeah. <laughs> I mean I I wanna do the same with the the new fitness app. I wanna unlock all the badges and start tracking my my progress in the fitness app. That's coming to the iPhone too, right? The fitness. It's coming app. to the iPhone once you once you pair with an Apple Watch. Uh, you're going to have the fitness app on, on I think, already on iOS 8.2. Um, it's just automatically unlocked once you have a watch. But I'm also kind of, I want to know, two, I have two questions. First, if I have the same app, both on my phone and on my watch, and a notification comes in, do I get the notification on both devices or just on the watch? I'm very interested in this too. Like, how That's, does that happen? Because I don't yeah. want that to happen. I don't want to hear two sounds, no. <laughs> for sure. And my second question is, all these fitness apps for the iPhone, I mean, they're able to write uh, active calories into the health app for the iPhone. So, for instance, today I had my FitStar workout and I have 98 active calories in my health app. What's going to happen with the new fitness app? Are they going to add uh, minutes or of exercise to the fitness app through native APIs? I'm kind of confused by this. You know, there's going to be the health app, there's going to be the fitness app. And I want to know what's going to happen, basically. Because I don't want to be in the scenario where there's an app that writes data into the health app and there's, uh, you know, the fitness app, which is separate. I'm kind of confused by, you know, third-party app compatibility. Yeah. Um, so, so many questions left, and but it's coming up in a in a month, right? Like, in about a month, yeah. Yeah, it's. I'm kind of. I'm kind of. I'm, I'm also. I'm also considering. Do I have to go to France or to Germany or to London to get a watch? Uh, because it's not coming to Italy first. Oh, is it not? Nope. See you in London, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I mean, you've done that with like the iPad and iPhone, right? You've gone yeah. or had or ordered one and had it shipped to you, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, but it's more. I, I'm guessing it's more difficult with the with the watch, you know, because of sizes and the bands. I mean, I do want to try one before. It's not like a phone that you. I mean, I know the phone, I know the color, the model, the size, and it's just the phone. A watch because it's something that you wear. I cannot say, "Hey, friend from France, can you go to the Apple Store for me and pick." pick up a watch for me and ship it to me to Italy. I mean, it's different. And I'm, I I should come up with a plan soon, I think. If you want to pay my airfare, I'll bring one for you. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I'm just going to pay the the, the, the the arrival flight to Rome and then you're, you'll be stuck Then I'm here. on my own. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if history yeah, says whatever. anything is he won't visit you while he's there, he's just going to drop the watch off and leave. <laughs> that would be that would be so Mike. He's just going to oh. just going to put the watch in my mailbox oh, and no. return home. <laughs> That's terrible. Yeah, it's uh it's you know, it's interesting. I think I, I remember when the App Store rolled out in 2008, you know, kind of the anticipation that came with that of, you know, 
what can I do on my phone? And I had some web apps. Uh, like there was a Twitter web app that someone had done that was pretty decent and a couple other things. Like Google Reader had a, you know, was responsive. And I had some like really core tasks that I knew that I wanted apps for on day one. I bet you had Remember the Milk too, didn't you? I did because that's yep. what I was using at the time. <laughs> um, they... Jerks. Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> it's only six months until he goes back to it again. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Sure. Every it's now and true. then. So I had web apps, and I, I knew that they were native apps. I wanted to to find you know replacements and and do, use something native. But I think about that core functionality and those things: Twitter, RSS, that's you know to dos that sort of stuff. I'm still doing on my phone, but at the same time, there are whole categories of things that weren't possible as web apps that. You know, now my phone can do all sorts. It can all sorts of things that you know I couldn't imagine in two thousand eight. I think some of that magic is gone here because we kind of know. Well, we we definitely know what smartphones do, and we kind of know what smart watches can do. But I think maybe not with WatchKit, but maybe when the full SDK is out, I wonder what kind of things that we can't really think of today are going to show up on these things that will be, you know, mission critical to us in a year or two years or three years into the watch. Um, and that that's exciting to me, you know, to think about what the possibilities are. I think any app, you know, kind of to back up to y'all's point uh, a second ago, I think any app has to solve or answer the question of why do I exist on the watch and not just the phone? Like what makes it better about it being on the wrist? I think developers uh, really need to think about that. And I think apps that succeed will succeed in part because they do something that is better because it's on the wrist because it's always on you. You know, if your phone's in your pocket or if your phone um, is in the other room and you just have your watch on, you know, what sort of opportunities that presents. I think yeah. that like it's going to be a really fun place to to watch over the next couple of years. I say we're 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 at least six months out from from even the beginnings of that. I think so too. I mean, I think, I think honestly, I think a lot of it is the watch kit kind of defines what sort of apps you can build. And I think if once the fuller SDK is out, I think that'll be sort of that, that explosion and, and uh, new ideas. I'm just and, thinking from the perspective of people don't understand the device yet because they don't have, Oh one, yeah, no, you know? For, yeah, that's, but a, yeah, that's, that's totally well. true that like once, once there are the, once we get more apps, like that's going to, once we get more capability for apps, that's going to change things even further. Yeah, but it'll it'll be it'll be fun. You know what I think is going to be different? I think it's the the way that people will see you with the first generation Apple Watch as an early adopter will ask you to to check it out. Basically like when the first iPhone came out or when the iPad came out and you you use one in public, people were like, "Hey, that's a that's an iPhone or that's an iPad. Can I can you can I try it?" And I think it'll be different with the watch. For two reasons, because Apple is so much popular now, and I think more people know what Apple is doing. And second, because it's something that you wear, it'll be strange for others to say, hey, can I try it? Because, I mean, it's your yeah. watch. Yeah, you'd you have to go- take it off and give it yeah. to them. Yeah, I mean, it's like going to somebody and say, oh, nice shirt, can I try it? I mean, I mean in that, that scenario, <laughs> I would show people. Uh, yeah, yeah, you would. But, you know, I so many times I just handed my iPhone or my iPad over to someone else and be like, yeah, sure, just try it. But with the watch, it's different. I don't know. That's a good point. Yeah. I do think, though, I do think it, it will jump out more, you know, because people were already doing things on handheld devices 
people most people don't do things on their on their wrists now. So I think I think there will be a a, a period of time where it's it's strange and that you know you might feel self conscious if you're in a waiting room doing something on your watch. But uh, I do think it it will have a, a broader a, a, a broader knowledge. Kind of you know Apple's starting out as a much bigger company than they were in, in 2007. Something that I'm really looking forward to, I remember when I got the iPhone and I got the iPad and I would I would find these cool little things that it did and I would demonstrate them to friends and family, you know, like, look at this thing, look at look at what it does. I'm so look, in, I'm pri- forward to in that private, again. you do mic tips. Yeah, mic, mic tips, it's all about mic tips around mm. here. But, you, you know, like you, you, if it does a thing, like you find it does a thing and, and you, you're impressed by it, like the page flipping in iBooks or, you know, like these, these little interesting things that it does that you think are really cool. And you want to show them to other people. I'm, I'm looking forward. I, I am very much looking forward to just on a very basic level having a brand new Apple product. Like that really excites yeah. me. Yeah. So is your is your girlfriend Mike uh, getting a watch? She is actually. Oh yeah. Yeah, she wants one. Which model? Uh, she'll probably go. She wants <laughs> to see them. Edition. Edition. Yeah, she's going edition. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and I'm going bankrupt. No. Um. <laughs> <laughs> she's thinking about 38 millimeter and actually she's yeah. she's quite small and she's thinking she's going to get sport most likely but she doesn't know what band yet she she will probably wait until she can go and try one on properly like won't pre-order but but she is very much interested in getting one and i want her to get one as well because there are so many when i look at and the reason that she wants one is i showed her the communication stuff and she's very you're interested just, in that you just want to send her the, the heartbeat yeah i do I do. You're so sweet. Thank you. I send one to you too. Um, and <laughs> she you. likes that. Like, and and she likes the idea. The things I do of, of us having that kind of communication because you know we have, as many couples do, we have our own kind of language. Yeah. Type, you know? Yeah. And so we send just simple words to each other throughout the day, just to kind of keep that connection. Sure. Yeah. And I think that it's going to be so much more different for us not to actually send those words anymore but to send pictures and send taps and things like that. I think that that is going to be big in the way that we communicate because yeah, so yeah. much of the conversation that we have, um, there, there isn't much, we're not having the conversation to have a conversation. It's just, we're exchanging words to keep in contact. Yeah. And, and I think the, I think us sharing and sharing contact in that way is going to make the device quite powerful. And I think she she clearly sees that, which is why she wants one because she's not, um, she's interested in technology, but up until like six months ago, she was using an iPhone 4S, and now she has my old iPhone 5. Um, like she's she's not that she doesn't feel the need for the new devices, but she wants that. So, yeah, I think that's a great point. The you know the the, the communication between uh, you know a couple. Uh, you know, you have your own language and little little. It's like little family memes in a way like stuff that only makes sense to you and i think for me i'm i was listening to you and basically every time we we record the show while there's a there's a break um i ask my girlfriend who's in the other room to usually to either bring me uh coffee so an espresso or some water you know stuff like that and i'm thinking now what if we had a watch and i could just you know during the show double tap the watch and she gets a double tap and she knows that it's supposed to mean like can i get an espresso please you know that kind of rapid and private communication 
I think it's actually a great point. And I don't remember if it, if it was from the from the Apple event or, or from the BuzzFeed video that they made, but it was like there was someone who was saying just exactly this this point. You know, we I can send my friend a tap or a sketch and she knows what I mean. And I think that'll be huge for people. Yeah, I, I've seen a lot of people criticize that BuzzFeed video, but I really no, liked it. was great. It. I really it was liked awesome. it. Yeah, yeah. So I'll put that in the show notes in case people haven't seen it. Stephen Hackett, where can people find the show notes? You can visit our website and your web browser. The web page is relay.fm slash connected slash 31. Excellent stuff. Three, three one. Now, I took a field trip uh, yesterday, and I want to tell you guys all about it. But before that, let's take a moment to thank our friends over at Smile. And today, I want to tell you about PDF Pen 7 for the Mac. PDF Pen is the ultimate all-purpose PDF editor. And now, Smile offers some great tutorials from the very talented, lovely, dashing Mr. David Sparks. David will be able to teach you everything that you need to know about what PDF Pen can do for you. These are, these videos are about 10 there at the moment, I think, and they're around two to four minutes each. And you can learn things like how to apply markup or add a signature to a PDF, which is something I do constantly. And I would pay double the price of PDF Pen 7 just for the ease that it gives me in signing documents. I, I've already signed three or four documents this week with PDF Pen 7. And it just makes my life so much easier. And do you know what I really like? A lot of these these uh, these apps, they have you like you save a signature and you just apply it and you can do that. But I like that I can sign on my trackpad and I enjoy it and I do it every time. <laughs> Here's a new fresh signature. I love doing that with PDF Pen and you can do that too. David's videos can also teach you how to use iCloud and Dropbox to sync with your iPhone, your iPad and your Mac with the different versions of PDF Pen that they have. For what's some for the iOS and for the Mac. It can teach you how to touch up images, which I didn't even know you could do in PDF Pen. So there you go. Uh, how to perform OCR to convert scanned documents to usable text. So let's say you've scanned in a form of some kind, but you need to copy some text from it. You can use OCR and you're able to copy and paste that into other apps. That is like boom, mind-blowing. You can also correct and redact text as well. I do the text correction for some stuff as well, and I think that's really cool. These courses are going to help you really understand all of the amazing things that you can do with PDF Pen. And there are even some additional courses to highlight the things that you can do in PDF Pen Pro, the professional version of PDF Pen as well. So you can find out more about PDF Pen from Smile and see uh, where to find all of these great videos over at smilesoftware.com slash connected. Thank you so much to Smile for their support of this show and Relay FM. So I was in town yesterday, and uh, I was close to Covent Garden, and I figured I would pop in to the Apple Store to try Full Touch, because I figured that they would have the new MacBook Pros, the updated MacBook Pros with the Full Touch trackpad in them. So I went into the store, and I will backtrack to that in a moment, and I walked over to the MacBook stand. There was nothing uh, immediately obvious to tell me that which had force touch and which didn't. So I went to the 13-inch retinas and I uh, turned it on. So I clicked it and assumed that I was on an old one because it just felt like normal. And then I went to system preferences and it had a new uh, little checkbox and some sp- and trackpad sensitivity stuff. 
So I was like, hmm, okay. And then I looked at the little iPad that was next to it and it scrolled around like on its little demo wheel to tell me about Force Touch. And my my brain, I think, dripped out of my ears at that point. This thing is insane. Like, Federico, you've used this, right? You, you've we yes. were talking about it last week. Force Touch is one of the weirdest things I have ever come into <laughs> contact you. with on an Apple computer. It is like voodoo magic. It, it is freaky. It's so strange. I cannot understand <laughs> what they're doing. All I know is it's terrifying me because it's it feels like it's fundamentally breaking my brain because these Force Touch trackpads feel... Like, it's not even like, oh, kind of. They feel exactly the same, if not better, because you can click, like, in the, with the same, and it feels like you're activating the click in the same pressure all over the place, right? Where, like, if you top, if I click in, I actually can't click the top left of my trackpad, but you can, on my MacBook Pro, but you can do that on these, because it's not giving any travel. I cannot even. It's insane. I also tried out the like how you can press hard down yep. to like open quick quick look. I couldn't get this to work a hundred percent of the time, but I think I was doing something wrong. I I feel like you need to adjust. I needed to adjust the sensitivity or whatever, but but it, it was working. I just couldn't get it to work every time. But it feels like you're pushing through it. Like so, yeah. when you really push down hard, it feels like you're going into the trackpad, which is the weirdest sensation. Again, no idea how they're doing this. Did you feel that way, Federico? That it felt yeah. like you were like indenting it? Exactly the same. I felt like I was going, you know, into the trackpad. Like because I'm applying stronger pressure, I expect the trackpad to move physically down. And that's the sensation that you get. That's the like it feels like you're you're going down into the trackpad. And you get also that kind of feedback from the trackpad, but actually it doesn't move. And it's all these uh, this new engine uh, and these uh, sensors under the trackpad, which uh, shake uh, horizontally and provide you, thanks to some crazy Apple technology, with this sense of going down vertically. And it's it's crazy and it's freaky because it it's it's uh, it's a real life. Like, it feels normal, totally normal. And then they tell you how it works, and you're like, no way. Like, this is not what I'm feeling. Yeah, they may know? as well be lying to me, because it doesn't... Yeah. Like, I urge anybody listening to go to your local Apple store and try this. Because you can. They, they have them in the MacBook Pros. And it's like... I, I'm blown <laughs> away by this. Yeah. Because it's, a, it's so weird. It's crazy, and it, and it's a it's a great example, you know, of a, what sounds like a tiny change, but actually can have really big consequences on how you use a computer, or just like thinking about the future of Apple devices getting this sort of technology. I just had a link yesterday on MacStories from this person who has a blog called uh, Alex Four D, and basically. Uh, Alex argues that assuming that force touch is coming to to iOS devices in the future, this could potentially be huge for adding basically a new dimension to the interface. Because there's a one a demo that you that you got up 
either ask Apple to to receive or if you read the the K base <laughs> really carefully, you can see there in, in in the new iMovie, besides the clicks and the force touch, you know the the, the what's the, what's the name of the the long click or the, the, the yeah force the, clicking the force clicking besides yeah. those two types of clicks, there's also the fact that when you drag and drop you can feel the end and the beginning of a clip in iMovie. It, so it's like there's a, there's a physical dimension for the clip in the iMovie interface. You feel when it ends and when it starts. And that's crazy to think about that. Like when I'm going into, you know, over the trackpad on this flat surface, I can actually feel the depth of software of the interface. And that's interesting to think about in relation to wondering whether first touch and this kinds of this kind of feedback could be coming to iOS in the future and i was thinking yesterday when i when i read uh this post from alex 4d what if you know the iOS 7 redesign was meant to bring this kind of feedback and clarity in the future because can you imagine with the skeuomorphic interface having <laughs> tactile feedback all the time from leather physical buttons plastic textures, you know, all these weird interface elements. Instead, having a more, you know, clear, uh, maybe neutral interface, it helps when you want to add feedback just for some elements, like buttons, like, you know, tabs or menus. I think it's uh, it's interesting to, to think about for the future. Maybe not even this year, maybe a couple of years down the road. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's also interesting from a, you know, the, there could be some really interesting assistive technology stuff here as well, yeah. uh, with people for with with impaired vision or things like that, where uh, it, it could give them another way, another uh, opportunity for feedback from the device of what's going on, and uh, I think it's really interesting from from all those things. I think the iMovie thing um, is really genius that you know you're. I mean, we've all done it, you know, we've done it in logic as well. You're scrubbing over and you overshoot where you mean to be or and just giving you that little bump of like, hey, this is where you are. Um, I would imagine that once you get used to that in a program, it becomes really uh, just very second nature and becomes just part of the experience. Uh, I, for one, welcome our new uh, haptic overlords and hope that uh, this does spread throughout their, their product line where it makes sense. I really want it on every device. Yeah, you and I both own Retina 13-inch MacBook Pros. (laughs) Uh, They're the same age. We have almost exactly the same machine. and Mm -hmm. uh, Mine has cooler stickers than yours, though. It's so old and crappy now. Again, I I said this on Upgrade. Like, I'm kind of okay with it because I use my MacBook on, like, one of those stands, and I use a mouse for RSI RSI reasons. Right. I don't have RSI, but, like, I get repetitive strain pains like every now and then um so i'm trying to keep all that stuff at bay so i try to use the trackpad and the keyboard on my mac as little as possible um but it is super cool and i would maybe like a magic trackpad i had one of those on but yeah anyway yeah one other thing i wanted to mention now i said i would come back to this and so as i walked into the store i got a, a, a little bit excited because all I could see on the walls were huge pictures of the Apple Watch, right? The, the marketing That's pictures. Not for sale yet. <laughs> and I was like, 
maybe they have one. And and I know it sounds crazy, but anybody who's listened to this show for long enough will remember my crazy story where like randomly one day iPod Touches arrived in the UK earlier than expected um, and I bought one. Um, so I was like, who knows? Covent Garden, it's like the, one of the biggest Apple stores in the entire world. Like, you never know. Like, you never know. So I went in and just all around the walls were pictures of the Apple Watch. Uh, but obviously there were no watches there. And then on all of the other walls, it was either a picture of a gold iPhone or a picture of the new MacBooks. Now, I was on one floor. I was on one floor of the like the main floor where all the products are on the main floor. Like they've got the phones, the iPads. They've got all of the Macs in there. Um, it's really big, this store. So which Apple store is this? Covent Garden. Okay. And I'm looking around and I'm kind of working out in my head like, over three quarters of the product marketing in the Apple Store is for products that aren't only not on sale yet, but will not be in the stores for like another three or four weeks. And that is really weird to me. Like, it's confusing, as for one, like to go into the store and the products are kind of, a bunch of them are like old. Right or or they're like you know they're not not going to be replaced but there's new stuff coming like in the MacBook line for example, I felt sad for everybody looking at the MacBook Air right I was like oh just don't buy it just yet you need to just wait and see because you might like the <laughs> other one, and it's just super weird to me like to see all of this product marketing for products that aren't in the store yet, I just, I just found it really really weird. But what if that's the point to get people to ask hey do you have one yet? I mean, like, what yeah, if, but they're what not if, even like labeled. Yeah, I mean, but people know what is it. Yeah. <laughs> See, it's a watch. It's no, the no watch. Way. I mean, like the watches. I, th- I think there's more of them with the MacBook, but, but mm-hmm. it is still strange to me to see the, the just the, these pictures of the watches just everywhere and like, but they're not even near like to being in. So I don't know. I'm, I'm not. It's not really a criticism. It just seemed really strange, and because I can't think of a time where like all these products are like. Oh, we're still a month away from all of them. It just, you know, it hasn't been like that in a while, I don't think. I don't know. Yeah, it's been it's been six years, five years since the the first. I mean, since the last new, really new Apple device, right? Uh, because the iPad was a. I mean, unless you count the the new Mac Pro, <laughs> the 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 last device was the iPad five years ago. I mean, I'm super excited, you know? I'm kind of sad that it's not coming to Italy uh, with the with the launch countries. That seems really weird to me. I, I thought they would have gone for the fashion centers more, but it seems like Yeah, not. we don't matter. <laughs> That's the reason. Yeah. <laughs> Is Italy a small market for Apple then? It's in like wave two, right? There, there's many problems in Italy, Mike. Oh, yeah. not, just, not just a small market for Apple. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like we don't matter in many in many ways. Well, you uh, matter, Federico. But no thank one you know does. It's just what you know. I feel like I feel like in general we're not. We don't as a nation, as a country, we don't take us seriously enough. But that's another that's another topic. We should have a politics show on real. Nope. Nope. Right, let's take, a, let's take a quick break. We have one more thing that we want to talk about this week. But before we do that, let me thank our friends over at Igloo, the internet you'll actually like for helping support this week's episode. Igloo's internet platform is 
awesome. It allows you to share news, organize your files, coordinate your calendars, and manage projects all in one place. It allows you to work together and to socialize with your colleagues, coworkers, teammates, all in one place, wherever they are, wherever you are, however you want to work, Igloo lets you do that. Their platform, their internet system, is built with responsive design in mind. This means you can do anything from reading a document to managing your tasks, sharing a photo of your lunch, to administrative tasks like changing your settings or even managing your to-do list. You can do all of this on any device, from the iPhone to the iPad to the Mac. Like it just because it's all in the all on the web and it's all built with responsive design in mind. You can do everything on Igloo on any device. Igloo's latest upgrade, their latest addition to their platform, which they're calling Viking, revolves around beefing up their document engine. They have a, their their preview engine for documents is built on HTML5. Uh, this can be viewed on all platforms. It ensures everyone is up to date with the latest version. Igloo really think about how you interact with documents, how you gather feedback about them, make changes, and how you do this and make sure that everybody's on the same page. They've even added the ability to track who has read critical information uh, and to make sure that everybody is up to... The, the, everyone's on the same place with what's going on. So let's say, for example, you have a training document of some kind or you have some kind of safety document that everybody has to read in your workplace. Rather than somebody sending out an email to everyone and saying, oh, did, did you read this? Did you read this? Or bringing around a piece of paper that people have to sign to, com- to confirm. You just put it onto Igloo. You say, you know, put the note in there. Everyone needs to read it. Maybe you could send people towards it if you want. But then instead of needing to then go and check back again, you'll be able to see what Igloo have added. Then you read receipts. So you'll be able to see, like, who has seen this. It will just show you this person's seen it, this person's seen it, this person's seen it. Makes it way easier if you need to make sure that everybody has seen a document. If you've worked in a big workplace, you know, with a bunch of different people, you can understand just how awesome that is. Igloo is super customizable. You can change the way it looks, the way it works. You can customize this by teams and all of the changes that you make show up everywhere instantly. If your company has a legacy internet that looks like it was built in the 90s, you should be giving Igloo a try. It's free to use with teams of up to 10 people and you can sign up right now at igloosoftware.com connected. Thank you so much to Igloo once again for supporting this show and all of Relay FM. We love you, Igloo, and I think that you will love Igloo, so go check them out. So guys, there's a rumor that Apple is about to launch uh, a service called QuickTime TV. And Steven has all the details, I yes, think. Steven's got the hot scoop on QuickTime TV. That's right. It... Can you tell us more, Steven, about this? Uh, <laughs> this uh, tech meme-worthy headline that you, that you discovered. Yes, so... <laughs> It's the year is 1999. <laughs> yeah, so so if you if you'll dial back with me, we're going to go in the wayback machine. And it's 1999, that means Mike is 13 years old. <laughs> wow. It's, uh, that means it's, Federico. It's 11, I no, think I'm 11. 11. You're 11. You're yeah. 11. Year I'm old. 11 too. I'm 11 too and really into yeah. I think PlayStation. Y'all, y'all are <laughs> Steven was 25. <laughs> I say I'm 46. <laughs> and uh <laughs> So Apple announces in 1999 uh, QuickTime TV, and there's a bunch of links in the show notes. I want to point out two. Uh, one going to uh, Macworld. Uh, so it's an article from October 1999 with an ad for an Apple Watch thing next to it, which is really funny. Uh, and basically what QuickTime TV was, you had, you had the QuickTime player on the Mac, and there were channels that plugged into it, and you could stream uh, stream media. So there was a streaming service as well, and... 
There was a bunch of different things. Uh, another link in the show notes is to a archive.org page, um, which is just full of goodies from the time period. There's a Britney Spears video you can watch. You can watch CNN Headline News. You can watch a Nine Inch Nails or an NSYNC video. Wow, it's like a time capsule. It really... It this really is Steven's is. life, Mike. <laughs> yeah, Basically so the, the Wayback Machine link is from 2001. Um, good times. Uh, QuickTime TV uh, didn't do very well. Obviously, 1999, 2000, 2001. Uh, internet connection speeds were a big issue when ta- you're talking about streaming rich media like this and i think they struggled to get content on board um i did come across an apple pr article from 2000 where apple announced the second annual QuickTime live conference okay i, I know went to that. <laughs> i know a lot about apple history i've never come across the QuickTime live conference <laughs> so now it's my duty to find out everything i can about it and, and write it up um in the QuickTime Live conference, guys, let me just tell you what we could experience if we mm. were back in time. 48 conference sessions with professional-level training on QuickTime content development and deployment. That's a lot. <laughs> did this ever take place? Listen to this. It did. Nine intensive full-day workshops. Nine. Nine. Two work weeks. Full workshop. Full-day workshop. That's twice the size <laughs> of WWDC. Workshops for what? <laughs> They're... These workshops, Federico, Federico, I'm glad you asked, because these workshops, Federico, they focus on popular authoring tools, deployment technologies, QuickTime VR, and QuickTime streaming. Wow. Uh, There was a product showcase featuring streaming media and distribution solutions for more than 50 companies. And the last bullet point, a number of other special events. Mm. Um, If you guys want to go to this... um, (laughs) Oh my God, Stephen, there's... I found on eBay... Apple Vintage QuickTime Live sweatshirt LG Conference Faculty Speaker That's white my size. size L. Buy oh me a sweatshirt. This, there's a I'm I'm putting the link in in the in the chat room. So the conference really really existed. It I, did. There's a sweatshirt. It's thirty three dollars. <laughs> I'm not gonna buy that as a joke. But no, you need to you need to buy this. I Come hate sweat I hate sweatshirts. <laughs> um. <laughs> Can you imagine wearing that to WWDC? That would be really <laughs> awesome. So um, if we want to go to this conference, again, that happened 15 years ago, it's uh, $1,200 <laughs> okay. per inten- attendee. Uh, or the workshop. If you guys just want to do the workshops, if you just want to come for nine days, it's $400. Oh, I'll do that um, one. <laughs> yeah. So I think I think that's in the budget. So, so QuickTime TV. Apple has gone down this path in the past. Again, wasn't super successful. I think it was a. Uh, I think QuickTime and all was sort of, you know, Apple early on with the Mac made a play for desktop publishing. And I think with OS ten they made a play for streaming and video production type stuff. And it was a little early, but it's really interesting because now, as Federico will explain to us, there's a Wall Street Journal article saying that this might be coming back around a little bit. Yeah, according to this uh, Wall Street Journal report, Apple is working on this new uh, web-based television service. It'll have about 25 channels with the likes of ABC, CBS, Fox, 
um, other networks and broadcasters are apparently on board with Apple's plan to have uh, this new web service. And what's interesting and kind of weird also is that being like a web TV service, it'll be not just exclusive to the rumored Apple TV or Apple television, whatever Gene Master wants to call it, it'll be available to every Apple device because it'll be web-based. It'll be essentially streaming, streaming TV from Apple with these big channel names on board. And John Gruber and Jim at the loop are saying to take this with a grain of salt because, you know, uh, the Wall Street Journal has not been so accurate lately. And so there we go. We have this new rumor. It'll be priced at around $30 to $40 a month. And so while we were talking about this before the show, uh, Stephen somehow remembered of a QuickTime TV and this QuickTime conference. So Apple has tried this before. Of course, so many things have changed, especially because now Apple has a bunch of devices where you can stream video to. And I mean, we talked about the television before, and I'm pretty sure I my argument was, okay, fine, cool and all that, but is this going to be a television? If Apple really do, does it, is it going to be a television for also the international market? Will I be able from Italy to get my DTV, how it's called here, the digital TV? Will I be able to do that, to watch that on an Apple device? Or will I have to do uh, kind of what Microsoft wants me to do with the Xbox One to basically... Uh, let my TV signal pass through the Xbox One interface. So we talked about this before. There's a new rumor, a web TV service. What do you guys think? I think it's interesting for for a couple of reasons. You know, you, you look at, you know, you brought up the Xbox, but you look at the PlayStation, you look at things like the Roku. Um, a lot of those devices just pull in content from third parties, right? So they have a Netflix channel, Hulu, Yahoo!, um, which is very similar to where the Apple TV is now, where it's it's sort of these other companies and they're putting their content on it. And, you know, you can go through that content. The interfaces aren't that great. But this seems like something a little bit different where, you know, this is talking about much closer to like a cable subscription that is just online is the, the way that I, I read that. Um, so I think it's a little bit different there. My big question is, does this solve the problem that the Apple TV has that it's, you know, maybe not super great to use sometimes? Is, is this going to be on the Apple TV hardware? Is this some other hardware? Is this just, just a service and there's an iPad app and you airplay it? I mean, there's a lot of like those sort of nitty gritty questions that, that come to mind for me. I don't know. I'm I not, know. I'm not massively interested in something like this. I mean, one, I know that it's not going to come to the UK. And then even if it does, like, I can't see the the people that, like, the channels that I would want if it did, they're just not going to be there for a while, if at all. Um, because it's it's basically the channels that you would want are provided by Sky. And Sky are, Sky are like, they're very, they don't really have a lot of competition here. Like the competition's starting to heat up, but but not so much. And and I would be very surprised unless like the regulators made them that they would give this in to Apple when they could just you know try and make their own thing. And it looks like for all intents and purposes, there are people, there are companies in the U.S. that are doing that kind of thing themselves anyway. Like I think the article says that NBC 
is kind of like, nah, and they seem to be making their own thing. Um, but, like, kind of one thing that I'm interested from you, Stephen, like, 30 to $40, is that a good deal? Like, is how much cheaper is this than just getting cable TV? So I don't, I don't have cable. I've never had cable. I think that is reasonable depending on what you get for that money. Uh, maybe someone in the chat room can tell us what they pay for cable each month. But it it doesn't seem to me, you know, ridiculously expensive, but I think it's definitely all about the, not only the content you get through it, it's so like what channels are available, but what you can do with it. Like, does this thing have, you know, some sort of DVR functionality where I can save something for later? Does it, does it integrate with, with Siri or some sort of smart search thing? You know, you know, Apple, for all the things it does well, it doesn't do search and like bolting things together very well so like one of my complaints about the apple tv is that it's basically like my iphone home screen with a bunch of apps and if i want to watch an episode of uh a friends for instance you know i i know that's on netflix but if i didn't know that like it'd be nice to be able to search for that on the apple tv and it say hey it's on netflix it's available on these other services it's not available here etc cetera, etc cetera. um so I think Apple has to make TV smarter somehow. And if that's part of this, then I think the price is a lot more compelling if I'm getting all this great content and I'm getting in a way that makes it easier to kind of sort through and, and understand. Because if, if anyone who has used either a cable box or a third-party DVR or uh, any sort of programming interface on a TV, those things are terrible. And, and Apple should be able to, to knock it out of the park and that sort of, that sort of thing. I love that you just described what Android TV tried to be. <laughs> well, no, no, Android TV, yeah, tried it, and uh, I think um, Roku and a couple others have have played with that a little bit. Um, it it's got to be, I think it's got to be compelling. I mean, if it's thirty forty dollars and it's it doesn't have the content that I, I could get from Comcast, why would I choose this? Right. So Apple's got to have something that makes it different that makes it stand out and, and joe Steele in the chat room is saying 30 40 bucks is pretty reasonable um but i think they've got to set set themselves apart somehow or it's just going to be like another kind of forgettable apple web service i mean it could end up working out okay price wise if you're a, like if you're buying if you're a cord cutter and you're buying like maybe four or five different tv shows Right, which I am. Like, yeah. and then we talked about that last week, right? To be a cord cutter and to save that money, you have to steal. Like, sorry, there's really no way around that. Um, you know, I there are definitely shows that I borrow from the internet, but there's a lot of stuff that we have iTunes season passes for, and that that money adds up. And you know, before you know it, you've got five or six season passes, and you got you're downloading something every night, and you're taking up disk space and all, and all that stuff. And so I could see how this could be more elegant than that, but they've got to make it good value for the the money you're paying. Every time we talk about television, eventually I get to the point where I'm listening to you guys and I get so confused about what a cable for Americans is. Like, I don't understand. What is cable TV? And every time I ask you this question, and and again, you explain it to me. I think you have satellite TV there, right? The same. Yeah, we have. Well, we, we transitioned a few years ago from basically to to digital television which is like it's basically like terrestrial tv with more channels yeah we have that too right everyone had to do that 
Okay, and then we have satellite TV, which is Sky, basically. And you you pay for Sky, you have different packages. Yeah. And in addition to the DTV, you can get Sky. So my parents, for instance, because my dad wants to watch uh, soccer, uh, his favorite team, uh, he, he pays for, I think the package is called Sky Sports. Yeah, Sky's uh, cable, Federico. Oh, Okay, yeah. so why don't you yeah. just say satellite instead of cable? Because they don't it's have satellites. They're not. They oh. don't. They don't do it by satellite. Well, you oh. you can. Uh, I think the terms are pretty interchangeable here. Um, but the point is, it's okay. it's premium TV. Air quotes around premium because you know, like my problem with cable is that there are a couple stations that I would like to have in my house. You know, I would like to have things like Discovery or National Geographic, ESPN, but I don't want the fifteen different like trash channels that they sell bundled with that to to pay for them um and so if apple's only going to have 25 maybe they're maybe they've worked out where they can get the best you know kind of the ones that everybody wants or maybe they've worked out some sort of deal where you can filter that stuff out it's hard right and tv's like a hard a hard problem to solve you know if you think about it, apple went after like smart watches before it did television that's that says a lot about the the state of the industry at least in the u.s how hard it is to break into how hard it is to deal with because these companies are huge i mean comcast owns nbc like it's 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 an enormous uh, enormous market with enormous players and and they don't want to change right it, it's and it's compounded by the fact and you, you you hear stories of this every once in a while you heard it with the ebook thing where you know apple rolled into the music industry and for a long time they owned it, and, and you could argue that maybe they're losing it now a little bit to things like uh, streaming services. But but Apple changed the way the music industry works, and all these other industries look at that and are afraid of it, and they don't want Apple to come in and take over. And so I think that they put a wall up that they maybe they wouldn't have otherwise. Um, it's interesting. If anyone can solve it, I think it's Apple, but I think it's super complicated, and it's got to be a compelling product, or it's just going to be kind of forgettable. Yeah. So do you have like in America? Do you have? I'm sorry that I'm just interested in how television works in America. Do you have <laughs> no, like fine. free stuff? Like you buy a TV, you plug it in, you connect the antenna, and you watch free television. Yeah, and and we did that same transition. I, I believe that transition was worldwide. Um, so someone can correct me if I'm wrong. To to from analog to digital. Um, but yeah, I I have a TV. I don't have an antenna hooked up to it. But if I did, I could get some local stations, and you know. A handful, a handful of things. I don't think it was worldwide. I think most, a lot of countries have done it. But the reason they do it is to free up spectrum for stuff like LTE. Right, because it frees up the 700 megahertz. Uh, you block. know what is what I think is basically different between ir- television in Italy and in America. That in Italy you have like this seven basic channels or maybe ten, and everybody gets those like. There's the national, uh, like the, the TV that you pay for with the tax. It's the first three channels. Then there's the TV of Berlusconi, and it's another three channels. And the, then there's MTV and another two or three channels. And everybody gets those. And at the same time, Italians, like at 8 p.m., Italians have dinner and they watch the news on the same channel. And I think it's different in America because it's big and you're into multiple time zones and you have this... Like, is there a national channel that everybody can watch for free at the same time? Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, you get CBS, NBC. You know, the, you get the big players. Yeah, but they, sure. they. I don't think you have anything like we have, which is like, uh, there is a tax that people pay 
Yeah, like mm-hmm. what what we call TV license. Right. There's yeah. nothing like the BBC or like Federico, what you described, where there's a, a national channel or a national network. These are all, you know, publicly traded companies. Hmm. It's it's crazy. Um, you know, and and so I could do that. I don't. I don't pay for cable. I mean, we our TV has two has two inputs taken up. One's a Mac Mini. One's an Apple TV. So, you know, I'm doing everything through iTunes or streaming uh, on things like Hulu or um, you know, Community started back this week. It's on Yahoo Screens, which uh, they're streaming Community for free to the Apple TV, which is really great. Um, we're gonna watch that tonight. And so there are ways to watch things, but what Apple's trying to do is try to get some of that legacy content if you will onto their devices which which i mean i think they have to right if they if they want the apple tv to be more it's got to be more than just like the crazy channels they randomly add to the apple tv that no one wants like no one wants crackle like just no one wants it and it shows up and i hide it so what is crackle is that the the sony thing i think it's a sony thing yeah the sony sony web didn't they also didn't they also add some kind of a yoga or meditation channel? Yeah, there's all, yeah. like every time I turn on my TV, there's some other icon that I want, that I have to hide because I don't want my kids going into it. Like, and I don't want I don't want it. So it, it, I think that's a flawed strategy in and of itself. But if they can if they can figure this out, and I could get things like Discovery or ESPN through my Apple TV over my internet connection, I'd love it. And I think that I would, depending on what it offered and how much it costs, I think I'd probably be interested in in using it. Um, but they've got to prove that it's worthwhile. So Whew, we'll see. Just to wrap up this topic and to go right back around to the first piece of follow-up, um, something I saw today that HBO Now, uh, contrary to what many people thought, you actually won't be able to buy it from HBO directly. Like it has to come through a third party. So Apple is one of them, but then also apparently will be the cable companies. <laughs> you have to buy it from your cable company, which makes yeah. no sense. Well, well, even now, so there, there's a, uh, you know, there's like an ESPN app and a couple other things on the Apple TV, but you have to sign in with your Comcast or your AT and T account. So I've got a buddy who has UVerse at home. He has cable through AT and T, and I use his to watch basketball. On yeah, that's Apple how TV. HBO Go works, right? Right, right. I, I use someone else's login to. Yeah. that so it's 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 kind of getting rid of that middle step potentially yeah but this is like you won't be able to buy it from hbo which i think is what people thought like you'll still have yeah. to use somebody else to get it and i mean apple is not the worst you know scenario to buy it from them but it's kind of just like okay you, you'll never you'll never get rid of them like, yeah well i think i think that speaks to how complicated and how entrenched those companies are that yeah. even in this like seemingly really cool jill apple coat with hbo comcast still has their fingers all in it mm-hmm so what do Americans do when the president talks to the nation? That's a really good question. So the... <laughs> I'm so curious about yeah, this. Yeah, no, no, no. The, that's a really good question, actually. Um, the major networks all carry it. So CBS, NBC, Fox, hmm. they all carry it, and they frame it in their own you know, coverage. Um, oh, God. Which oh, is terrifying on some of the stations. What Italians do, like, a very much... Uh, stereotypical but also true Italian thing is two things when the president talks all Italians switch to the channel one and they listen to the president and the second one is the World Cup of soccer when Italy plays you can rest assured every Italian family is in front of the TV on also on channel one which is the you know one of the three channels that you pay uh, TV license tax, and they're watching Italy 
at the same time, everybody. And I think there's some sort of romance in that stereotype, you know? Everybody gets to to watch TV at the same time, whether you're at home or, you know, at a bar. And in Italy, again, bars are not like in the, in the US where you go to only drink alcohol. A bar is like... I don't know, Mike, what is, what is a bar in Italy? Uh, You've been to Italy. Kind of, kind of like a coffee shop. Yeah, kind of like a coffee shop. And everybody goes there and watches TV. I think there's, there's some sort of, you know, romance and happiness in, in being together at the same time, watching the same television channel. Yeah, and I, America, I like that we have a TV license. I like that because we... I don't, but... <laughs> okay, I mean, okay, except for the cost, right? And, and that sounds, I know that sounds weird, but like, yeah, it's a thing you have to pay for, but you yeah. are kind of helping, at least in the, B, in, for, in the with the BBC, you are helping create, like, because like, I don't know what the Italian stuff's like, Federico Stark, mm-hmm. sorry. Yeah. There is incredible drama, incredible comedy, just really yeah. great TV sure. shows that are paid for because we pay a TV sure. license. And it's, I think it's simpler, you know, in, in America, it sounds so complex. And no wonder the people go crazy over these rumors of new TV services, because what you have sounds like a nightmare. Yeah, it, it is. It's, it's, it's a, uh, it's just really messy. And, you know, there's even restrictions on where you live, what's available to you, you know, because ISPs and cable companies have such regional locks here. Uh, it would be nice to see someone bust it up. And, and like I said, I think Apple can do it. Uh, if if anyone can, Apple can. So, well, that like that's in theory, unless TV, the TV industry looks at the music industry and realizes what's ahead of them. Right. I mean, and that's that's why I brought that up. You know, that's Apple's past success is, is you know, uh, I think weighs heavy over those other industries. Uh, and you see that other industries. Well, you see it in the cell phone industry, right? The Apple's the basically the only cell phone manufacturer that Verizon can't put their cruddy apps on the phone. Like Apple, when they come to the table, they have the high ground, and Comcast isn't used to that. <laughs> so uh, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic that Apple could do something in this space, but I'm definitely not holding my breath until something shows up. Now, this is super left field, and I don't even know why I'm bringing this up but we haven't spoken about it, so I wanted to check with you guys. Did you see that Sundar Pichai uh, said that Google's going to be launching their own MVNO? I did. Um, that was a couple of weeks ago, maybe? Yeah, he, he said it on stage somewhere, um, and they're going to be talking about I.O., it seems like. Right, and I would I would imagine that that, that carrier would be very limited in, in where it is and what it, I, mean, I, th- I kind of view it like the Nexus program. I think that Google might fire up their own little cellular network just to experiment and do weird things in, but never it would never really take on somebody like AT and Verizon be- because they need AT and Verizon to carry their phones. You know that's that's a problem with any of this. That's why Apple's not doing it because Apple needs those cell networks to to carry the phone unless it's free. Uh, Maybe I mean it could I, be. I mean, all they need is you on the you know just to, they get all that sweet sweet ad money. In theory, you know that's what they're always saying. We just want people connected. Yeah, it's just a guy listening in on you. No, I'm just kidding. I don't I don't think that about Google, but uh, it is interesting. Uh, I O is coming up, May. or the t- tickets I think went for sale or go for sale this week. So yep. I'm excited to see what they do. Yeah, I'm looking forward but to I O. I O is always fun to watch. Yeah, as an Apple centric kind of person. Uh, I was always really interesting to me. So, yep. so wait a second. America doesn't have teletext. 
Well, yeah, but we don't really <laughs> have that anymore either. We do. No, I mean like we don't in the UK. Like there mm. is there is like a digital thing now, but it's it's not like Steven, do you know what teletext is? Uh not by that name at least. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> I'm googling it. Let's it's see. like the best software re- kind of. Do you still have the really old um, one that looks? Yes. Like you still oh have god. that. Yeah. Man, but you're on digital, right? They must have just kept that to make you feel, guys feel comfortable. <laughs> what is this? You don't know <laughs> what, what the teletext is? Oh my god! It was like the internet in your television. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah, I knew people that used to to buy holidays using this thing. Oh yeah, God. I see a I see a BBC one, and it's quite honestly terrifying. <laughs> it was the best thing and the worst thing at the same time. Yep. It was like, and I'm trying to think of a mythical beast, maybe a <laughs> maybe a, a chimera or I don't know. It was it was incredible. Teletext. But BBC used to do, I think, a choose your own text adventure on this. I used to get all my news from the teletext. Yeah, man. And I knew that it would refresh at specific times during the day. Yep. So I would just open the teletext and do a bunch of comments with the TV remote. And I knew that I was going to get fresh news. And then there were, like, channels in the teletext. So you could find, like, um, like gossip or, mm-hmm. like, sports news. And it was awesome. Also awful and awesome. It was, like, I don't know. It was both things and, and also... I'm I'm really really surprised that you still that you still have have it look like this because <laughs> oh, they're, man, they're my... clearly they're clearly holding on to it for you because digital TV can do a lot more than this. I'm pretty sure we still have that because I recently saw my father using teletext. Oh, so either fantastic. he was trolling me in some way, either he downloaded an app for, for the TV or it was the actual teletext, which it was used to be awesome to check like real-time sports results. Yep. And the lottery local, results. The lottery results, local news. Uh, yep. man, Steven, you're... you're, oh, you're uh, movie times. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, wow. movie times. This was the internet, like... This was the most basic version of the internet. <laughs> yes. And to think that there were, like, sometimes I still think about the fact that there used to be peop- so many people who thought that teletext was going to be a huge deal. And they spent so many hours of their working days updating the teletext every day. And then those people got fired. <laughs> oh, yes. We haven't even said about how you navigate around it. So oh. to navigate teletext, you had to know the page number. So it's like a three-digit page number that you would type in. So say you wanted to get to sports, you might go to 400 and it take you to the sports page. And then it would show you the directory. So like it would say like for sports scores, go to this one. For like Manchester United versus Chelsea, hit in this one. And then like you could go to a directory and it would have all of the numbers. You could <laughs> score for all the numbers. This the, seems the mo- insane. <laughs> the and most annoying, even... Mike, What's... did you have? I'm sorry, Stephen. Did you have the pages where, like, they it was like a channel with three pages, and they switched like a like a wheel? It oh was, yeah, it would be but... like you go to page oh, one, two, so four. Annoying. It'd be one of four, and it would just like flick over. Yeah. <laughs> Man, teletext. God, that thing. Stephen, uh, you missed out on, on something. I really did. Special. Well, I, I found it just ended in 2012. Uh, this article in the BBC, <laughs> 38, 38 years. I mean, that's that's an impressive run. So that's what I'm saying. That when we switched over from analog to digital, yeah, it they, went away. They canned it. Like BBC got rid of it. Sad. 
That's a that's a fascinating look into something I had no idea existed. This is what like in twenty years time people say about the internet. I remember, yeah, when there used yeah. to be teletext. I mean, just anyone should just Google image search it because it's the screens are all insane. Um, it's like the internet on on acid. The best thing is when they would try and draw pictures. Oh, yeah, yeah just, there's oh, some on so image search good. that you should be aware of that are there that are a little weird but uh well yeah because people will draw their own but like yeah. like you know that you'd you'd go to a page and they would draw like welcome to teletext that that's gonna be in the show notes if you go to the the episode page like that course, is gonna it was be a, it. it was a different name in italy it was called televideo oh for nice us. and there's a i'm looking on the app store right now there's a bunch of apps actually i'm not sure if they've been updated recently um, and of course, most of the of the television related apps have been replaced by you know uh, TV guides with modern interfaces. But there's a if you look for Televideo uh, on the App Store, even the US App Store, there's a bunch of Italian apps. So you get the idea of uh, what the, the Teletext is, is like here. Oh man, so many memories. So Teletext was like what it was called, like BBC called it CFAX. Yeah, yeah. I, I I looked on Wikipedia. I know that, that there were like different names. Uh, I I'm not even sure how I remembered that I googled teletext before, because I knew that it existed in other parts of Europe. Um, I wasn't sure about America. Stephen, I'm I'm really sad that you never got to experience teletext or the Quick Time Quick Time Live conference. I know. I'm, no. I have I have a lot of links in this paper now for uh, the quick time. There were at least three quick time live conferences. At least three. When three? people go to our show notes page, they're gonna have literally no idea what's going on. I'm <laughs> on the show and I have no idea. Like what's there's going just this on. big picture that says "Welcome to Teletext." Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you. Mark. With like a Simpsons yellow hand coming in on the corner. Uh-huh. Uh that seems like a pretty good place to wrap up. If you want to find uh, these beautiful show notes, you can go to relay.fm slash connected slash 31. And if you want to find us all online, there's a few ways you can do that. You can find Federico Vitici. He is at Vitici on Twitter, V-I-T-I-C-C-I, and he's the editor-in-chief of MaxStories.net. You can find Mr. Stephen Hackett. He is at ISMH on Twitter, and he uh, has writes the fantastic 512pixels.net, so you can find his work there and I am Mike Hurley. I am at iMike, I M Y K E, and I am the host of many shows on Relay.fm, of which this show is a part of. And you can go to our lovely website and find out more about those. Thanks again to our sponsors this week PDF Pen 7 from Smile, Lynda.com, and Igloo. But thanks most of all to you for listening, and we'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, guys. Arrivederci. Adios.